Welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Spirit Led Summer series. So, the older of our two sons is getting married in August, August the 19th in Cheddar in a church. And uh, suddenly I was approached uh, could I speak at my son's wedding for 10 minutes? 10 minutes, uh, and the stipulations were, it's got to be plenty of fun, but you can include a little bit of Christianity as well. <laughs> so I thought, when can I, when can I find the information that I need for a whole 10 minutes? Where can I look for the, that, that sort of information? And, uh, when can I practice it? Oh, July the 2nd. Never mind August the 19th. July the 2nd, speaking at Locking Castle Church. Right. And we better look in the Bible to see what God has to say about love. First of all, when I was a kid, all over Cheddar, the six churches, I think, but often, especially in the Gospel Hall, outside the Gospel Hall, there would be the verse that sums up the whole of the Christian experience uh, and it's even more sacred you know in, in the in the older versions for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son sorry his only begotten son I had to look that word up his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that, was, that is the uh, sum total of Christianity. That, that verse sums it all up. There might not be any other verses in the Bible. So if somebody's got other favorite verses, get rid of them. There's only one. <laughs> God loved the world so much. I had, was having my breakfast yesterday morning, and there was um, the European... Space Agency were talking about what they're going to put into space now. And they were going to at last sort out the universe and the universes because they were going to take some more pictures. And then scientists were going to have all the answers. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm not against science. But when they talk like that and when they say something about the Big Bang and it all happened by chance... Uh, while I'm having my breakfast on a Saturday morning, I want to respond with uh, John 3.16. Because God, in his love, sending Jesus, so the life of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed the world 2,000 years ago. And it wasn't uh, millions and millions or billions of years ago. It was uh, just a, a few thousand miles across planet Earth and uh, just 2,000 years ago. And that's the focal point, if you like, of history. So that verse is very important, even in more modern versions. Some other scriptures, one we've just read, somebody's second favorite, could you put that bit up? Um, look, you've got it. Well done. Right. 
I challenge myself. There's a few Andes present this morning, so we won't just let the Andes do it. But what we're going to do, we're going to go through these few verses about love, and you're going to put your name out loud instead of the word love and see what God says to you while we do this. When I start, I'm going to say Andy is patient, right? Because all of these are true. You know, so. <laughs> right. And I want to hear from you as well, your name, okay? Andy is patient. Andy is kind. Andy does not envy. Andy does not boast. Andy is not proud. Andy does not dishonor others. Andy is not self-seeking. Andy is not easily angered. Andy keeps no record of wrongs. Andy does not in but rejoices with the truth. Andy always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We're missing out the next bit because it says Andy never fails. <laughs> so we're not being stupid and putting that bit in. <laughs> Ephesians 3.17 Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded as Christians. We've sung a bit about that this morning. What we're rooted and grounded in. Sometimes uh, we think, well, we can't be rooted. We must be rooted and grounded in God's truth and what he has said, and the commandments and stuff like that. But the New Testament says we're rooted and grounded, not in some fickle emotion called love, but in an absolute, trustworthy uh, foundation for our lives. And it's fantastic that the foundation for our lives as Christians and for all of those who will come to Christ is love. Luke 6:27 Love your enemies. I think we can pray for those Christians that we know in the Ukraine. We pray that God will make them forgiving people. We make that they will pray for the children of Russian soldiers that have invaded their land and they and their families have been wrecked through this war. Right? Come on, you lot over there, some other part of this world, some other part of history, I think, of my dad talking about the war. He was a soldier in the war. And, but that's another part of history or another part of geography. We're talking about enemies. We come a bit closer to home, and I look around this church, and I say quite categorically, there's people here that I rub up the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> people in this church. <laughs> if I move out into our family, especially perhaps in preparation for this wedding, <laughs> there are people there that sometimes the world would be a better place if they didn't exist. I don't really mean that, but you know what I mean. Sometimes you feel that 
about people that you perhaps should be very close to. You move out into your work situation. I can hardly remember my work situations. <laughs> but you move out into your work situations and there's people there, the same. They're not my enemies, but oh, oh, come on, Lord, do something. <laughs> Love your enemies as yourself. Matthew 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. We moved on to Locking Parklands uh, seven and a half years ago. Since then, we've had one or two scrapes. Love your neighbor as yourself. They think the piece of paper says you can't drive your car out of your state in front of their houses because it's a bit of private roads. Our piece of paper says, you can. And before any much happens, suddenly, somebody who I don't even know as my neighbor is a pain in the neck. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was called Bollard Gate. They were going to put bollards up to stop people driving up there. Fortunately, that's been resolved. And uh, on a casual basis we're quite sort of amicable with them now but at the time <clears throat> it gets worse Ephesians 5:22. husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and husbands are supposed to love their wives as their own bodies but that's the escape clause for somebody my age because at my age, you don't love your own body. <laughs> I know, whatever his name is, oh, probably another Andy over here. I know he said about his own, you know, wearing shorts or whatever he was on about a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's still young enough to love his own body. Well, I don't love my body anymore. That means probably I don't have to love my wife anymore, according to this scripture. But the first part of the scripture says, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her. Now that actually is about 20 times more serious and strong than loving your own body. Because just as Jesus went to the cross, so, and I speak from experience on a daily basis, on behalf of my wife and on behalf of me, sometimes it's not that straightforward. Romans 8, 35 to 39, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God as his people. Nothing shall separate us from his love. Romans 4, 15, speaking the truth in love. Sometimes as Christians, we, we, we speak the truth because it's the truth. And again, it comes over as hard and it comes as preachy and stuff like that. Uh, whether we're just talking, we don't have to be talking the gospel or anything like that. We just be, uh, but we, we just know and we will speak the truth. But it says, if you speak the truth in love, as a Christian, you grow up. It says you're no longer an infant. I look at the toddlers sometimes on a Tuesday morning and I think, I can't remember. Being, I don't want to talk about age too much here, but um, I can't remember being that age. But as a Christian sometimes, God says you're still pretty young, aren't you? I've been a Christian 50 years. 
but you don't, lo you don't want to be an infant anymore. You need to grow up. One of the ways you do that is speaking the truth in love. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. We sing those, don't we? I'm no longer a slave to fear. Well, this last year, I've had two cancer scares in my own body. And I can honestly say, having sung that song the week before, there's a very, very big challenge to say there is no fear in love. I've got your love, oh God. I love you. Lord, I've got a family of Christians that love me and that I love. But to say there's no fear in love sometimes is about as hollow as some of those things we read out just now in our lives. And uh, I'm still working my way through that. Uh, what is the truth about there being no fear when there obviously is, even for those Christians that have either been Christians a long time or, or of really uh, even quite mature Christians. Uh, what, how, what do we do about this fear? There is no fear in love. John 15.10, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. Emily dealt with some of the Old Testament scriptures last week, but you think about the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and Jesus' interpretation of some of those commandments Surely that's the opposite to love. We don't want a religion that just says, thou shalt not. We don't, mustn't do this, mustn't do that, mustn't do the other. Surely this love is just something where, in a Christian sense, we are just ourselves and we blossom as human beings. Oh yes, and we live in a fallen world. And still, we are sinners. As we've discovered already this morning that God said, we need to come to him. And we need to be sorted. And so Christian character, living out the commandments, there's sometimes a really big place for that in our own individual lives. Revelation 2.4, I have this against you. You have forsaken your first love. I'm not going to mention one of my favorite hobbies today at all. But I was at Taunton last Tuesday. It was the lunch interval. And I walked downtown and I sang all the way down. Not loud, otherwise I'd have got arrested. But I sang all the way downtown. The reason I live is to worship you. I was singing that over and over and over again, downtown and back. And then I was back to my, my first love after the lunch interval. What is my first love? And sometimes we do have challenges, don't we? About what and who is the first love in our lives. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or anything in this world. God, have you got this mixed up? Our first verse today was God so loved the world. Do not love the world or anything in this world. What do you mean? Well, God created fantastic universe and scientists out there, okay, universes, 
and all the rest of it. And sometimes that, when I was looking at that, those, some of those pictures, even yesterday morning on the telly, of the galaxies and stuff out there, sometimes to say that I just live on planet Earth in Western Supermare, and the tiny, and I'm just so tiny and shrinking, and my body's decaying, as I said just now. Oh, and oh, it, it's just. But God created such a perfect world, and He created these miracles. You tell me, you scientists, and I don't say they don't, all don't believe in God, because a lot of them do. But they look round here this morning. So this human life came about by chance, did it? You know, the, all these, the miracles of what's happening in my body right now. I mean, it came about by chance, did it? What on earth? Do you believe that needs a hundred times more faith than I need to believe in a God who created us? So he created a beautiful world and beautiful human beings and beautiful landscapes and beautiful universes and all the rest of it. So what does he mean by do not love the world or anything in the world? Well, the other side of that, of course, is that we live in a fallen world and it's broken. It's not ruined forever because God has a plan. But it, it is wrecked to a certain extent, this world. And there are people uh, trying to set uh, the sort of guidelines for other people to follow in this life that have no place for God the Creator. And therefore, sometimes, even as Christians, the way they're saying we should live our lives is very attractive because they seem to be so successful compared with Christians. And they're, they're, they're giving this way for people to live. And what God is saying, one of the things he's saying through this scripture, do not love the world or anything in the world, is that don't go along with that. You go along with the ways that I have said because you live in a fallen world. And sometimes it's a real battle. Luke 7, 47. Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he, stroke she, who has been forgiven, little loves little. So, I don't know a lot of you very well, because the church has changed, hasn't it, uh, since COVID and stuff, and uh, there's some new people. And I don't know don't know you very well. Um, I don't know because Jesus was at a Pharisee's house. That's uh, for them, the religious people. And I'm sure we have some very religious Christians here this morning. And legitimately, uh, you know, following a lot of the commandments and, and stuff. And if I was to ask you, are you a Pharisee or, I, or are you the woman who poured ointment, uh, pre precious perfume onto the feet? Was it the feet of Jesus? Uh, there are some of you that would equate more perhaps with your life story with one of those and another like me who grew up in a Christian home and uh, she's had such an adventurous life no it actually says sinful alright but she's had such an interesting life compared with mine lords you know and, and then She's come to you and she's realized she needs forgiven, uh, forgiveness. And she's come to you for forgiveness. And Jesus, you've forgiven her on the spot of everything she's ever done, thought, or said. 
And sometimes I look at Christians whose testimony is that they've come to Jesus after a life of authorized version, open inverted commas, sin, close inverted commas. And they seem to love God so much. And they, they seem to be, when we worship, they seem to be away in worship. And it's just so wonderful. And, and they've been so forgiven. And I think, that's just not fair, Lord. And then quietly, I think of what God has forgiven me for in my life. For the things I've done, what I've thought, what I've said, a lot of those things that I've never shared with any human being on planet Earth. But I know that he's forgiven me. And therefore my love needs to be a little bit more radical for him and for other people than perhaps it is through having a Christian upbringing and all the rest of it. He who has been forgiven little loves little Romans 8:37 more than conquerors through him that loved us more than conquerors through him that loved us whose side are we on as Christians are we on the winning side or are we on the losing side I was in the village of Wedmore we can't we're moving house but we can't afford Wedmore and uh, oh it's nice Web, you know, Webmore is nice. One of the things I noticed, Webmore Baptist Church up for sale. Another thing I noticed, Webmore Methodist Church up for sale at the same time. Two churches out of three in that village up for sale. When you see things like that as a Christian, often does it make you think we're not on the winning side at all? We're not more than conquerors through him that loved us. I think, try as we might, we're just a dying breed. Do you feel like that sometimes? Sometimes. I don't mean all the time. More than conquerors through him that loved us. He has the last words because he loved us. Coming to the end now, John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I want revival in this country. Don't you? So that we don't feel, no, not, not, that's not the number one motive for wanting revival. So that we don't feel that we're not conquerors or anything like that. But I think sometimes, you know, in the 1960s, it was Billy Graham speaking at Ashton Gate. All right. For those of you who don't know, that's a, an F stadium in Bristol. I'm not mentioning that word. Billy Graham, bring the evangelists on again, Lord, that are going to change this nation. 
Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. Sorry, that's another bit. That's the last one. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you lot have love one for another. And that's talking to his church, whatever church it is in this country or wherever it is in the world. I like to preach to myself, really. Star Wars Day? No, thank you. Not my bag, Lord. Picnic? Actually, we were away for the picnic. Walk? You're only going to walk a mile next Sunday. No, actually, we're away on holiday next Sunday. <laughs> you know, put what you're preaching into practice. Love one another. I've got legitimate reasons why we can't do that on those, uh, those ones. But God says in that scripture that if we love one another, especially those that rub us up the wrong way or vice versa, then people will see that the gospel is real. And the last one, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.